All right, we got the big news of the day. Oh, man, Jordy Balls entered the transfer portal right after winning a national, her second national championship at the University of Oklahoma. Um, got the fan base reeling right now. Questions, why? How could this happen? What led to this? Nebraska? Really? There's a lot of things swirling around right now. Um, you know, I think uh, I think uh, first off, for, for college athletes, wanting to be close to home, I mean, it's not the same for everyone, but I mean, if, if, if you followed anything about Jordy Ball, and she's not, at least that I know, super active on social media, at least I guess, I don't know that, I'm on Twitter, only seen a handful of things, but Seems to be someone that is uh, uh, Nebraska, where she grew up, her home, her family, seems to be really, really important for her. And, Parker, I think ultimately that's that's really what we're talking about here. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's no NIL uh, stuff going on with, with Nebraska. I'm sure if that's where she ends up, um, I'm sure that's going to be a part of it, right? But I think it's... I think, honestly, just being close to home is important for her. And maybe it sounds like getting Nebraska softball, not just like collegiately, but, um, you know, like how she grew up playing, getting that area of, uh, of the softball world on the map. Yeah, and look, anybody that can, anybody that read Jordy Ball's statement and that really just understands the context as to what we're dealing with here understands that. Jordy Ball didn't do this for NIL or any other reason than simply wanting to be closer to home and wanting to make more of an impact on softball in her home state. She's arguably the most popular athlete on the entire campus of the University of Oklahoma, Teddy. The right. face of a program Especially that has right won. Now. Yeah, the face of a program that's won three straight national titles and the recently crowned Women's College World Series MVP. So mm-hmm. If this were about NIL or if this were about earning capacity, trust me, she would not have anything better for her at Nebraska or anywhere else than she would have at Oklahoma in terms of what the ceiling for that would be. But look, I, I mentioned it earlier, and I'll mention it again. Look, I, I'm from Nebraska, too. People that grow up in the Midwest, man, what you often find is that they circle back around the Midwest, later in their lives Mm -hmm. for instance like it was the same thing for my dad he grew up in omaha went his own way for a little while came back to omaha to raise a family and that's kind of that's not exclusive to nebraska either that's just how a lot of those midwest dynamics go you grow up in one place in the heartland and that place has a pull for you for the rest of your life, and it definitely seems that that's what the deal is with Jordy Ball. We mentioned that. Well, I'd she's... say that's the same thing for Oklahoma, but she's not from Oklahoma, right? Yeah, you know, there's that's yeah. kind of the the same thing. There's, I guess, um, for lack of a better term or phrase, you get the small town feel, right? And um, there's some comfort there. Uh, Kendall says, "I blame Parker. He's a spy for the University of Nebraska." Yeah. Uh, Big Rich and OKC says, newsflash, Jordy will be the new face of all the companies owned by Warren Buffett. Yeah. 
Uh, Berkshire, many... <laughs> Berkshire Hathaway, is that what she's going to have yeah, across, uh, across her jersey? Several listeners have pointed out since the top of the hour and even before the top of the hour hit that uh, Sophia, Sophia Nugent has also entered the transfer portal as well. So OU well, loses another. That was kind of my uh, – the next way forward on this thing is um, do we think we have more to follow? Uh, if, if so – why is is the pressure there? Is how competitive things have had to get? I, I don't know. Um, my guess is probably not going to see some flood of transfer portal thing, uh, entries from from the Sooners. But here's the other interesting thing to me, though, and this is this is far more interesting. Like, how does this news hit the rest of the softball world, and mm. what does that do for any? of maybe the top pitchers out there <laughs> well, that see, okay, Oklahoma needs a new ace. I didn't I didn't plan on entering the portal, but considering uh, Oklahoma, the three-time champion, needs a new ace, I may reconsider. Well, and if you heard Alex Storacco kind of break down her decision to transfer to Oklahoma last offseason, the way she phrased it was, well, it's just kind of a no-brainer. Right, You come mm-hmm. to Oklahoma, you know you're going to be playing for championships. And there have been several listeners on the text line, folks on social media that have responded to the Jordy Ball news by saying, hey, Nigel Kennedy, come on down. Valerie Cagle, come on down. Patty Gasso, take your pick of the litter amongst yeah. collegiate pitches. And I don't know if it's going to be quite that. But I also think that between Nicole May and Kirsten Deal, You've got a pretty solid one-two punch heading into next season within this softball program, and there will be additions made. Patty Gasso will peruse the transfer portal. No question about that. But with as much as this Oklahoma softball program returns, it's not as if losing Jordy Ball is going to suddenly sink the ship and take them out of playoff contention. No, this program is far too ironclad for that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um they are they're still going to be absolutely stacked and they're going there's going to be additions in in the transfer portal and i don't know maybe you follow it i don't know much about softball recruiting but my guess is they're also going to be in on the top um you know recruits in the country it's so there's going to be some additions made to to help fill the void now i don't know that you can find any one player out there that's going to be on the level of Jordy Ball? I happen to think she's the uh, the best in the country, maybe by a pretty decent margin. Whenever you factor everything that she can do for you, um, it, how clutch she is, how how good she is whenever she gets into a bind, uh, plus all of the outright skill, just you know that is you know as good as that Oklahoma is. I it is not a loss. In my opinion, others may disagree, and I'm I'm open to hearing the argument, but it's it's not something that you gloss over, you know. It's not like it's not even like losing an ace pitcher in baseball, right? You lose an ace pitcher in baseball. I guess uh, majors are a little bit different than college, but you're talking about a player where what they play this year, 63, 64 games, something like that. I. If you need it, she can have the ball in her hand in every single game. It's more like losing your the best quarterback in the country 
than it is losing <laughs> a what how you traditionally think of as a pitcher. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was I was thinking earlier when the news officially broke. I was like, man. Is this, in the span of a year and a half, Oklahoma's lost arguably the best collegiate quarterback in the country via the portal, and they've lost the best pitcher in softball? Yeah. What's next? Is that what you're uh, wondering? Well, not really. Man, that's that's quite a (laughs) one-two punch. And obviously, like, it hasn't sent things into a tailspin for either of those programs. And I know that there are going to be people on the text line going, six and seven, six and seven. Yeah, because we all expect that to last. But it is it is just kind of a bizarre coincidence, isn't it, that arguably the two most consequential transfers in college sports in the transfer portal era yeah. have both victimized the University of Oklahoma. Well, especially, like, the interesting thing about Jordy Ball, I I don't know that we've seen some. Uh, uh, my, I, I don't know that th- uh, this is like totally new. This is a first where the best player in a sport transfers after winning a national championship. And not just like after winning a national championship. Days after winning a national championship. It's like... The confetti barely had time to land. Exactly. That's pretty wild whenever you think about it, man. Um, Just endlessly fascinating uh, to see how this whole thing plays out. um, I think the shock is is in the fan base right now. No one really understands how to respond to it. I, I still feel like, even though... It's. It still feels, for the most part, positive. I still feel like we're going to go through the full scope, like all of the phases of grieving over this deal, right? I, it's, it's inevitable, I think. Somebody on the text line said, why couldn't we have just NIL'd her boyfriend, even if it was as a PWO? Yeah, there you go. NIL the boyfriend, move the family down, relocate their entire lives to Norman to keep Jordy Ball around. I'll tell I you mean, why. I, I'll tell you why. Because no one donates to our NILs. Oh, here it comes. Okay. I it if we're gonna keep like throwing out and, and taking text messages on why don't we pay them more? Why don't we NIL this? Why don't we NIL that? I because it's not there. We don't have the pile of cash that we need in the current landscape of college athletics. It just, plain and simple, is not there. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's... I feel like we're still in a bit of a malaise, or I don't know how exactly you define it, that we have been really good, for a really long time, and we really never had to be on the cutting edge of facilities or, you know, have the most, uh, the biggest pool to pay the coaching staff or, you know, the biggest staff-like period of the the behind the scenes and building the recruiting uh, organization there within the the football program and and all of these things. 
We're just used to being able to get along and be really good. That is over. It's done. Unless they change the rules. During the, over, with the current rules that we have right now, with the open transfers and the, the NILs being able to operate, we are going to fall behind really, really quickly. Because the NIL stuff, at least for the time being, has not flatlined like uh, I thought it would. I thought that there'd be this big run-up. People put a ton of money in. They invest all this money in a bunch of high school recruits. They end up massively disappointed in the performance of those guys. And you see the collective thing really lose a lot of the steam that it's gathered. Not the case at all, at least not right now. It's picking up. So we're going to either have to uh, get the pocketbook out and start donating to the collectives or get used to watching players accept bigger deals at other places, even if it's not the best place for them to go. Even if it's not what what we would consider their value. The bigger the collectives get, the more money the top guys get, and the more money your second and third tier guys get. Just that's just the that's the nature of the beast right now. So don't comment on why don't we nil something until people start pulling out the cash and donating to the nil. Because right now it ain't there. Plain and simple. Sorry for the uh, rant. No, it was an excellent rant, and I think something a lot of these fans needed to hear. But I'll tell you why you don't throw ridiculous NIL at anybody and everybody in Jordy Ball's circle to make sure, make sure she stays in Oklahoma. It's because that also undermines Bob Stoops' observation, and it's an evergreen one, that no one person is bigger than the program at the University of Oklahoma. And if Jordy Ball is homesick, so be it. She's got her reasons. Far be it from any of us to – question those reasons or her motives behind the decision to transfer but it's not the end of the world for the softball program at the university of oklahoma does it hurt sure is it a damning blow no it is not yeah yep they will they will manage we've had we've had elite players come and go in all kinds of sports and and remain successful it's not easy you may have to redefine yourself you may have to uh figure some new things out, but I'd say we've got the uh, the softball coaching staff to be able to do exactly that. i got no worries about the softball program. I am just, for whatever reason today, I, I don't know if the Jordy Ball uh, situation and just the NIL conversation surrounding it has got me upset, but I'm there right now. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm upset. And I'll tell you, like I've said already in the show and in the previous show, I hate the current state of college football and I guess all of college athletics whenever it comes to NIL. And I fully support these athletes being able to make money off of what they do on the field their name, image, and likeness. But what we have right now, that ain't what it is. So, Let me ask you this. 
Teddy, because yeah. I don't think we've had the opportunity to discuss this. I know I haven't had the opportunity to discuss this with you, but do you think an overcorrection is coming? You think the pendulum swing is coming where these stakeholders and boosters and big-time investors that have sunk a lot of money into the NIL at their respective schools, and you see this at Miami and Oregon and Texas A&M and Arkansas and elsewhere, you think there comes a point in time at which, say, for instance, obviously Texas A&M went 5-7 and seven last year. At yeah. what point do the people that are providing those funds – for a program like that, say, man, if we're not winning, why am I spending this much money? Forget yeah. it. I'm done. Do you think that's coming at some point? I think it will come individually at a couple of locations, but here's what here's how that happens. Let's just take Texas A&M as a great example. Texas A&M – what they went five and seven last year. Um, we all know that they've piled a ton of money into their collective. All right. I can imagine it, you know, they're they're let's say they're they're one and four to start the season. I can imagine people saying, done, not giving them another dime in NIL money. It ain't working. Players aren't any good. Not happening. But what do you think happens uh, halfway through the season whenever they're still well below 500? Jimbo Fisher's going to get fired. (laughs) All right? So Jimbo Fisher gets fired, and I don't know. um, I'm trying to think of who may be the next hot name. Uh, let's Let's say Clemson wins a national championship off of Garrett Riley's offensive play calling, right? And Texas A&M says, we're going to go out and we're going to hire Garrett Riley as our head coach. Whoever it is, and like maybe that's a bad example, but whoever they hire, there's going to be this new energy around the program. Now we finally got who we need. Now we just got to get the right players. Let's pile into the NIL. You know what I'm saying? It's just It's going to be a cycle at every school. There's going to be a big buildup. If you don't win, there's going to be uh, it's going to it's going to fall down. There's going to it's going to dry up. You fire your coach. You hire the new hot commodity, and guess what? It's going to reignite the NIL conversation and get things pumping again to be able to give this new amazing coach the talent that he needs to win. Cyclical within each school. Agree, disagree. I would say I agree. I I just go back to July of 2021 and the knee-jerk reaction that we all had to NIL legislation getting passed in pretty sudden fashion. And <laughs> what we were all wondering at that point was, did, did they move too quickly with this? Like, yeah. Because – and this analogy has been used a zillion times, or this metaphor, I suppose. But you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once you squeeze it all out. And it kind of, it kind of seemed like the NCAA just squeezed it all out at the very beginning and just let it lie. And that's where right. we stand right now. Well, the problem is they really didn't legislate it. 
It's like they just delegislated it. The legislation <laughs> just basically says, yeah, they can make money. Right, there's there's no guidelines. There's no there's nothing really there at all. I mean, it's not it's not typically how you would like write up legislation, and it's different in every state. It's different in every region. We got nothing from the national uh, side of things or the federal side of things. Which, by the way, can I just say the last thing I want is the state or federal government involved with college athletics, okay? Not something I want to get into. But because of the failings of the NCAA, it's the NCAA's fault for never giving an inch on anything, right? Having to document how much pasta your players ate at a function, okay? Instead of, uh, you know, operating in a manner that you know wouldn't, like just end up at some point because of all the court cases just destroying the the framework that everyone has has known for a hundred plus years. So um, it's the NCAA's fault. Uh, it's an it's a total mess. And until there's some type of of, a, of agreement, either within conferences within Power Five, uh, and God forbid the federal government to lay down some type of guidelines it's going to continue to be whoever can raise the most money it doesn't matter we're going to throw huge promises of cash uh maybe some of it will come to fruition for high school recruits and transfer portal guys it is a horrible way to operate it, it's it's ridiculous. You have to come together. Like any professional sport has most of them, and there's been eras whenever you don't, but there's a salary cap. There's a reason there's a salary cap. It is to maintain uh, some type of competitive balance within the, uh, the teams that you have. If there's not, like we're not – Right now, in college football, I guess we still are, but in the near future, we're not going to be deciding a national champion based off of who has the best uh, coach and players. We're going to be deciding a national champion off of who can raise the most money. So, it's wild. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We're late for a timeout. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Rush is back, hour number one, shockingly, uh, segment number two here. First one maybe set a record on the longest segment of all time. Hanging out at Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107, tons of great stuff going on. Hanging out here in front of the Front Row Sports Bar. We got off-track betting going on. We got the ladies serving up drinks. Good stuff out here at Newcastle Casino. Let's listen to uh, the text line for a bit, shall we, Parker? What do we got pouring in? One listener says, so you mean Gabe Eichard could have two plates of chicken Alfredo now? Yeah. Yes, to say the very least. Yep. Uh, He could have two plates of chicken Alfredo, and he could get a sponsorship from, I don't know, one of your pasta brands or or whatever. Olive Garden. Now, that would be great. Why? 
because that would be an organic name, image, and likeness deal, uh, not an upfront guaranteed payment contract to a high school kid that's done jack squat at the collegiate level. But, you know. From a listener in the 615, I'm not ready to quit watching by any means, but I will tell you my passion for the sport has dwindled since the advent of NIL wars. If it stays on this trajectory, I could see myself losing interest at some point. Wonder how many others feel the same way. I, I, yeah, I think here's how, at least here's how it goes for me. I have moments of frustration, like today, for whatever reason. And then I have extended periods of, um, I don't think about it, I don't care about it. And usually, like, when you're in season for whatever sport, you just don't, like, right now, NIL in football is, like, front and center, right? Like, if we're going to get these top recruits, what's what's the NIL conversation looking like? What's Tennessee putting together? What's Oregon putting together? Uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about it, but feels like like once you kick the football off in September, you just it's at least for me anyways, you're back to watching the sport, kind of get in, uh, you know, just totally involved with everything that's happening on the field, and it's not nearly as big of a topic, and you kind of go back to your, you know, your rooting interest and you're a diehard for it, but. Like in the off season, whenever it's a conversation that's that's happening nonstop, could be frustrating. K Dub in the nine one eight says, "I've donated to the OU Collective, and what frustrates me is programs like A and M buying players and falling apart. I could care less. I care about OU, and not landing DJ Hicks was devastating. You've got to have players like that to win national titles. We land some, but miss out on far too many. Yeah, you do." Um, you do. You do have to have elite players. I mean, we, we can say whatever we want about NIL, about like, whether or not it's even a good thing for these players. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, the, yeah, coaching matters in college football, but it matters maybe less than it ever has um you know there used to be a time whenever i can't remember i I had this conversation with someone recently um you know everyone kind of runs the same schemes to some degree these days i used to you would play a a schedule where you might play a a power running team uh, a pro style offense an option offense and then you next week you'd have a spread offense. And everyone was a little bit different. And because everyone was a little bit different, like your like for instance, your spread teams did a really good job of giving themselves an opportunity against more talented teams. And they did it routinely. Could never really get over the hump for the most part, but they could they could really outplay what they had roster wise. But now Everyone runs pretty much the exact same offense. There's a little bit of nuance in between what you see. Like some team may may be a little bit heavier in one type of run 
uh, running play or running idea than, than the next. Some teams may pass it just a little bit more. But for the most part, everyone does the same stuff. It's RPO. It's, um, you know, it's counting numbers. It's we're handing it on the inside zone or split zone. If you're lighting the box, if you're heavy, we're throwing the RPO. I mean, it's all pretty much the same thing. So the coaching now matters less, and the players matter more than they ever have. And unfortunately, uh, the best way to get the, the best players is to have the biggest collectives, and that's coming from your biggest fan bases, and it typically lies with the teams that have won the most over the years. So I, the competitive balance, in my opinion, I, the playoff should have made it to where you widen the competitive balance and there's more teams able to, to get in and compete. But it it had the opposite effect. And then on top of that, we now add the transfer portal and NIL. Well, then you've really made things way better at the at the top tier than than where it is, you know, where it was maybe ten years ago. Let's hit one more here before we hit a break. All right. Uh, from a listener in the, in the uh, 469, excuse me. Thank you, Teddy, for your rant on NIL. With it being so bad, how come we haven't heard about it from the higher-ups at OU? Seems like the word on the condition of NIL is never talked about. Why haven't we heard about the status of our NIL? I don't know. I mean, you're not going to hear, hear about it from, from the coaches because – I think that they have to maintain uh, some type of uh, some type of balance there with, you know, how how you're perceived and kind of what your principles are as a as a school and, and how you're going to recruit and stuff. So I don't think like it's hard to. I mean, it's like a pro. It's like a. I don't know. It's you. You've got to have like. You got to have things laid out with how you're going to sell, like how we're selling our program. And I think you can talk about NIL at the top, but you can't like you can't come out and just be real forceful about it. You got to say, "Yeah, we need to continue to expand and get better and be more competitive in that area." But you can't like outright start to complain and demand that it's not there because like your your recruits are going to start looking around, it's like Oklahoma's having trouble with, you know, like you don't want that as a staff. And, like, at the very top, like, when it comes to administration, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of conversation there because it's still the Wild West, and I don't think anyone wants to be, like, really tied to anything that they say because the rules may change tomorrow. So it's just a really weird spot to be in for everyone. It's tough. I mean, it feels like things can constantly change, like, we, we finally just passed the legislation here in the state of Oklahoma that helped open some things up for us. But as soon as we pass that, guess what? Everyone's in Washington meeting with the federal government to try and change things at the federal level. And not only that, you've also got the IRS coming out and making some comments about some of the 501c3 stuff that's out there. So it's such a changing environment. You're never going to get any of the, the people – 
in the know or in charge at the top to come out and really fully stand behind something because they just don't know. And they also want to protect, you know, their top donors from, from you know, what could end up possibly being a mistake. It's not an easy position to be in for anyone. Thank you, NCAA, for uh, putting us in this spot. Uh, all right, late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Keep it in the text line. We'll get to as many as we can. 651-3439. We'll be back. Rush is back. Uh, didn't get to a whole lot of text messages last segment. Uh, so let's get right back to the text line, shall we, Parker? What do we got? Anything interesting uh, we're seeing coming through? Uh, well, it's a very simple question from one listener, but I'd be curious to hear your take on it too, and so we'll hit this one. Does NIL beat culture? Huh. It's hard to say. I think you have – well, no. NIL does not beat culture. But schools that have NIL and culture beat culture. <laughs> and right now, that's like Bama, that's Georgia – that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, you you've got some other Ohio places. State to an extent. Michigan, I think, is is has done some stuff that seem to be run pretty well. It's hard to really comment on everyone's culture because you're not there every day. And I, I'll say, like, you know, Georgia. In every school has their issues, and sometimes it comes in bunches. Sometimes it's 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 spread out, but. You know, Georgia's had some issues here recently with some of their players. So you wonder if, if the culture part is starting to slip a little bit there as they as they have a whole bunch of five stars walking around there that maybe demand some special treatment and not everyone can get it. So I, I, I don't know. It, it seems like they have a good culture at Georgia. But, yeah, I think culture beats NIL, but culture doesn't beat – NIL and culture, and there's some programs out there that have both. Hopefully, hopefully we can get to to a spot where we have both. I mean, we're not we're not terrible when it comes to NIL. We're just not we're not on the level of of some of the other programs out there. We're not we're not a tier one NIL team right now. A listener here in the 405 asks. Has any NIL rumor talk in any school in any sport ever been confirmed or verified, or is it all just a bunch of speculation? Whenever an athlete transfers or a recruit doesn't pick us, the standard excuse from all the rednecks is they got offered more NIL money by so-and-so school. How much of this NIL stuff is actually true? Well, I don't know. You probably know better than I do. Well, I know you know better than I do because I've, I don't talk to a lot of the kids, but I'm just telling you right now, you can you can say that it's it sounds like it's all blown out of proportion. It's not. It, it the deals are happening. Okay, that's just that that's how it is. Now, are some deals maybe like by the time people start talking about them and it gets out? Are they inflated? Yeah, there, I think there's there's a lot of inflation going on, but there are some big-time NIL deals that have gotten done, 100%. And I know 
that we have lost out on guys because of strictly NIL. So, I mean, is is there some of it that's that's maybe inflated? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's all inflated and not real. All right, let's hit one more before we hit our final break of the hour. Who's to blame for our lack of NIL money? Hmm. Well, I think that there's several layers there of, of who's to blame. I think we have uh, I think we have a, a lack of cohesion with, with, with the, some of the NIL funds. There's been and this isn't an Oklahoma problem either. This is, there's, there's a lot of people that have gone through this. You've had all kinds of different NIL collectives that have popped up, right? And as as a fan, we you just don't know which one to donate. Like you don't you you'd like to get involved, you'd like to help out, but you don't want to just go throwing a a chunk of cash into an NIL that you don't know if it's the right one or is is all that money going to the players like. So there's a lack of cohesion in everyone knowing exactly where to go with those funds. And that comes from, you know, it comes from administration. It comes from a lack of clarity from, like, the, for lack of a better, I don't know where to point it, NCAA or whoever's, like, overseeing everything, and maybe it's no one, and that's that's a, a big part of the blame. I think there's a lot of that. And there's also, it goes from the top where it's all structured, where it's all put together, and I think it goes down to the the fan base that's funding those in, you know, some of it is not knowing where to put it, and some of it is not thinking it's a deciding factor in recruiting, and some of it is not thinking that, you know, there's some old school people, and I totally understand it, that, this is amateur athletics. I'm not donating money that, that goes to the kids. These, these are supposed to be amateurs. So I, I would honestly say the blame is in, like all the way spread across in every single area. Ultimately, who shoulders the most of it? I have no idea. I really don't. No, well, the NCAA shoulders the most of the blame. Absolutely. So... There you go. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one here from Newcastle next. Rush is back, about to wrap up hour number one. Um, before we do, I wanted to tie some of this NIL conversation that we've uh, ended up landing on today to the Winery kid that was in town over the weekend. Mike. Um, Obviously, you mentioned the relationship aspect of it. Oklahoma checks the box there. Uh, probably has the best relationship of any staff out there with the kid. It's going to be a factor, but how big of a factor do you think the NIL stuff is going to be for him? Well, it's it's tough to gauge, Teddy. It really yeah. is because, look, at the end of the day, you can, you can talk up the relationships all you want and – Obviously, Oklahoma's got the edge there, and I'm very firmly of the opinion that the kid himself is not the type to make a decision purely based on money, but DJ Hicks wasn't that type of kid. 
David Stone's not that type of kid. The reality, however, is that whenever you're dealing with a five-star offensive lineman, and really any five-star player in general, there's going to be a lot of money involved, inevitably. Yeah. And it's not always about the kid either. There will be an uncle, or there will be a parent, or there will yeah. be an older sibling. And in my experience, and there hasn't been much of it to this point because we're only two years into the NIL era, Teddy, but in my experience, generally when that number climbs high enough, somebody capitulates. Yeah. And That's so – I Right now, I don't think that decision gets made for the sake of money alone, but I think it is also responsible and right to acknowledge that NIL is going to be a piece of the puzzle and that there may come a point at which one of those schools makes an NIL offering that, quite, quite frankly, it's, it's almost bad business if you don't jump right. on a number that's so high, you know? Yep. Now, I just wonder how this is going to affect – uh what we see from these guys because i got to tell you um it's been a long time but whenever i was in college the nfl seemed like the ultimate this far off thing that was just almost untouchable that you had to really really strive for and try to impress and try to be the best player you could if you wanted to make money playing this sport and now when it's handed to you early i wonder what that does to that mentality i'm curious all right Quick timeout. Hour number two is next. Rush is back. Hour number two. Teddy Lehman here. Parker Thune sitting in for Tyler McComas. I'm out of Newcastle Casino today. I-44 exit 107. Sitting in front of the front row sports bar. Always good stuff going on out here. Hit us on the text on 651-3439. Big story of the day. Jordy Ball. Fresh off a win in a national championship. Uh, She's in the transfer portal. Headed back to Nebraska, at least. uh, That's what everything points to. That's what everything uh, looks like is going to happen. Going back to Nebraska. um, They, I don't think they've ever won a softball national championship. I don't know how good they've been recently, but that's kind of a boost to the program up there, right? That's got to... um, you know, we see this where, I don't know, look at USC. Maybe it's a, a little bit different. I mean, USC is a traditional power, but um, you take an elite player, an elite pitcher specifically like Jordy Ball that can change things instantly when she shows up, and there's some other players around that may look at Nebraska as all of a sudden a decent little option if they want to go win some games. I mean, that's maybe the aspect of this whole deal that we haven't explored yet, and we've talked about it each of the last couple hours here on the air. But does Jordy Ball have somewhat of a Pied Piper effect making the transfer from Oklahoma to Nebraska, which is most, where most everyone presumes she's going to end up? If she is a Nebraska Cornhusker, who comes along with her? Maybe not necessarily from Oklahoma, but you'd have to imagine the best player in college softball, which is what many regard Jordy Ball to be, transfers somewhere. Obviously, that's going to become a more attractive destination for portal-bound players and high school recruits than it ever was before. Yeah. Well, you got that freshman player from Indiana that jumped in the portal. They hit like 25 home runs, something crazy like that. 
She wants to stay in the Big Ten. Well, I guess Nebraska all of a sudden becomes an option. It's hard to really say, though. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know the the softball world, and I don't. I, I guess I don't know enough about Nebraska and like their coaching staff. And I there's got to be more than just a player that draws you somewhere, right? There's got to be a little bit more. You can't. You know, you got to have at least some history, like some promise. Like, because let's just say you are a, I don't know, you're that, that girl I mentioned from Indiana. Would you be more willing to transfer to Nebraska because Jordy Ball went there and maybe they've got a chance to turn around and win something? Or would you be more willing to go to Oklahoma? If, like, you're going to try to go somewhere to try and win a championship, like that's your ultimate goal. You taking a risk on Nebraska or are you going to Oklahoma? My my guess is Oklahoma's still gonna be the top place, but that doesn't mean that everyone will have those thoughts. Yeah, Nebraska has never been much of a softball powerhouse to my knowledge, and I grew up there. I'll be honest, like if probably volleyball, up, different story, right? Yeah, volleyball, they're a freaking dynasty, man. Volleyball yeah. apparently they're holding a game there this upcoming season, and they've they're they're holding a game there in Memorial Stadium, i.e. Right. the football stadium, and they've already sold it out. So that's how Crazy. big volleyball is up there. But if you'd told me, like, I, I let me put it this way: if you'd asked me five years ago whether Nebraska had a softball program, I couldn't have told you one way or the other. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens with uh, as the transfer portal gets. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. Is is what's the window for softball? Do you have any idea? Is it the same? Like my guess is everyone has to be because it's like it's sometime in July. You have to be at a school to be on their roster for that upcoming year, right? So I'm guessing softball's the same, or I guess maybe they have until the next semester since uh, softball's in the spring semester. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing I, it all happens fairly quick. I, I don't know, but I would figure, yeah, you're probably on campus in August to start the fall semester would be my guess. Jordy Ball's not going to – I mean, like regardless of what the window is, doesn't seem like Jordy Ball's going to take any longer than necessary to get to Nebraska. I think I saw somewhere that they were like, like 30 and 22 or something like that this year. Nebraska was yeah if that's what it was 30 and 22 what do you think just an addition <laughs> of, of someone like Jordy Ball how much does that change that well and I think this is something that you brought up earlier in the program when we were having this conversation but one of the one of the striking realities of the sport of softball is that if you have one dominant pitcher she can throw a lot yeah. Like she can pitch a lot of games for you. So Jordy Ball, realistically, if Nebraska's season if Nebraska's regular season is well like fifty games long, Jordy Ball could pitch in 35, 40 of those games. Yeah. So yeah, there is definitely the chance that Nebraska takes a big step up in terms of their ability to compete on a national level. Now, obviously, Pitching is only half the game. You got to have offense to support it, and that's going to be the big challenge for yeah. the Cornhuskers. Even if they bring in Jordy Ball, is how can you 
buttress what will be a much improved pitching staff via that one addition with some strong offense. Uh, there's a text from a listener on the 405 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And this listener wants to know, I know she didn't specifically say she's transferring to Nebraska, right. but she hadn't officially declared for the portal until a half an hour ago. So my question is, how was she able to be in contact with Nebraska before her announcement today? Is that not tampering? And what I would say to that is, I doubt she was officially in contact with Nebraska because she doesn't need to be in contact with Nebraska, right? If, if Jordy Ball enters the transfer portal, calls your office and says, hey, I want to come play for your school. Right. You're not going to say – like, there's not even no. going to be any negotiation. You're going to be like, all right, we're making the spot. Come on. And she – was she originally committed to Nebraska? She was out of high school, yes. Yeah. She was originally committed to Nebraska. So, um, you know, there's, there's some history there. But, you know, was there some tampering? I don't know. I can't say whether there was or there wasn't, but it's another thing that I hate about NIL is that we we pretty much expect and accept that tampering is happening and is just kind of part of it now, right? Yeah. Me? I mean, we it's, you know, see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. We're all acting like it's like, well, I – I guess we do talk about it, but it's almost as if everybody has just kind of turned a blind eye to it and accepted that this is just part of the reality now. Well, you because know, like, there's, there's such an easy walk around. I mean, exactly. Jordy Ball probably, uh, I mean, obviously she knows the staff. Uh, all she has to do is contact somebody that knows the head coach and say hey if you talk to head coach you may want to let him know that i'm considering jumping in the transfer portal at the end of this season and that's not tampering right it's not tampering there are a million different ways to work around the statute the statutes to make sure you're not technically tampering but that's what it is that's what it amounts to yeah exactly yeah it's just, it's just, you know, it's it's yet another example of the NCAA setting something up and, like, opening – basically opening a pathway for something that they're completely helpless to regulate. Yeah. You can't regulate conversations that happen between people in the various camps and circles of – xyz player and xyz school while you may be able to regulate direct contact between the parties you can't regulate the contact between all of the ancillary characters involved in the narrative right yeah yep so i don't know was there tampering involved i i don't know maybe to some degree um i I would say, though, it's a little bit different for someone of Jordy's uh, stature. I mean, it would be like, I don't even know what the comparison is right now. I mean, 
in, any any elite level player that's the best in their sport all of a sudden declaring themselves a free agent uh-huh. and like there's no salary cap and everyone is like doesn't have to worry about it like she could go anywhere that she wanted and it really doesn't matter and there's no one at the NCAA to investigate it anyways. On the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Sooner Soldier says, not being negative, but I guarantee this was planned. She just didn't have a mule shoe moment and wake up and decide that she wanted to enter the transfer portal. Oh, this, yeah, this was absolutely. Sure. This was absolutely not a spur of the moment thing. If everything that Jordy Ball said is true, you get the sense that this is something she's been ruminating on for quite some time. Right. And, and I even think that, the, the statement from that I read, I don't even know where I read it. I assume it was from Coach Patty Gasso, like in response to the transfer. And basically, it said that, you know, Jordy had told them for some time about the, um, yeah, you know, being homesick or, or, you know, struggling with being away from home. I mean, it's something that they've been aware of. So I don't think it was a, she won the championship and woke up the next morning and and decided that I'm transferring. Yeah, I think – I mean, anyone who – now, she may not have known 100% that she was actually going to go through with it, but I don't doubt for a second, and I would be shocked to find out if it was any different than it's something that she'd been thinking of for a long time. She may have been thinking of it uh, after last season. But said, you know, because of my injury, I wasn't as big of a factor as I wanted to be. I'm going to play one more year and try to win a, a title and be a bigger, bigger influence on the team whenever, you know, we're in that moment. And that's why she decided to stay another year. Like, it could have gone back that far. One more. It could te- have gone back to before she ever played at OU. Yeah. One more text here from Chapstick. All thanks to Jordy Ball, but leaving early prevents her from OU legend status. She did great for us, but she chose, for whatever reason, to leave after two years. It is what it is. And look, is Jordy Ball going to be remembered as a Sooner legend? Well, if she's not finishing her career at Oklahoma, no, probably not. But what you can't take away from her is that she's got a spot in Sooner lore. right? Just like Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams only played at Oklahoma for one year. Is he going to be remembered as a Sooner legend? No, he'll be remembered as a USC legend. But what you can't take away from Caleb Williams is that he's got a spot in Sooner lore as well. If for nothing else, then that comeback victory over Texas. Just as Jordy Ball, even if she doesn't finish her career in an OU uniform, will always have a spot in Sooner lore because of her performance in the Crimson and Cream in the 2023 Women's College World Series. I don't know that I agree. I She's not going to finish her career at OU, but she was a big part of winning the national championship last year, and she was the main part of winning the national championship this year. And what she accomplished in the in the postseason uh, not giving up runs, scoring runs on the base paths. I don't know that I necessarily agree. And th- this is a totally different situation, a totally different feeling. She's leaving the best program in the country 
to go try and win one for her home state in her home area. Yeah. I, th- th- it's different. It's, it's totally different. It is different. different. Like, it's not completely apples to apples. No. But it's, well, and another, another good example is Marcus Dupree, right? Would you consider Marcus Dupree a Sooner legend? No, most folks probably wouldn't paint him in that light, but what you would acknowledge is that that's a guy that's got a spot in Sooner lore for what he did here. I think I might consider Jordy Ball a Sooner legend. Now, I don't even, I'm not even going to say I think. I'm considering her a legend. I mean, she's on, like, we've got a long list of, of softball players that are legendary, um, but, like, she, she's on the short list of the best that's ever been here. Now, career-wise, some of those things are going to fall short, but, like, at the pinnacle of her game, like, she very well may be the best player that we've had, you know, I, to me, and she won two championships. I mean, that's legendary. She's a Sooner legend. And she's leaving to go home, which is different than leaving to go to a different program or a different opportunity or, you know, for, for different reasons. Like, like to me, that's an understandable reason to leave in – frankly a admirable reason to leave to go try and bring some glory to your home state i i mean that would be like this would be like sam bradford winning a national championship at alabama and saying my work here is done i'm transferring to oklahoma i'm trying to win one for my home state I, that is, to, in my opinion, that's what you want in athletes. Now, yeah, I'm not saying I want Jordy Ball to transfer away from Oklahoma, but like to me, that's the type of attitude that you want in your collegiate athletes. I mean, I again, I think it's admirable. Yeah, and I would look if there's a reason to hit the transfer portal, Jordy Ball's got the right reason. Not everybody yeah. does. Jordy Ball certainly does. Yeah. I agree. All right, let's hit the timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting us on the text line, 651-3439. Knippelmeyer text line. Hanging out Newcastle Casino today. We'll be back. Overrated solo or rated just right? Well, I think it depends on where you rate it. Like, yeah. where – where do what? where 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 is this amongst the landscape of the great guitar solos of all time? Because I know you know some people will say it's the best. Yeah. Some people will say so. Like I, I don't think there's a consensus. I don't really know how to answer that question. Yeah, that's true. I'll tell you what I, what I think. Now, there are like different people view view it differently. Like for some. For it to be the best, it has to be the most difficult. Yeah. Right? Like technically demanding. I To me, I don't care. I'm a soundscape guy. I don't care how difficult something is to play. I only care what it sounds like within the structure of the song. Right? Mm. I mean, there's a lot of times where some like 
like virtuoso type of performance just doesn't fit a song. It's out of place. Yeah. Now that one kind of has the feel for it. I, I don't know how difficult it is, um, but I think it kind of check. It seems to check both boxes. I think it fits great in the frame of the of the song. It does not sound easy to play. Maybe it is. I have no idea. At least it sounds difficult to play, and maybe that's really all that really matters. Um, whenever you're 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 kind of talking at it through that that lens, so I actually I rate it pretty high. Yeah, and I'm with you on the soundscape thing. Like I'm I'm very partial to solos. And before everybody gets on the text line, I was like, "Quit quit talking about music." We're gonna get back to football in just a second, but. Yeah, no, I, I am partial. We need a break from sports today, I think. <laughs> we might, man. It's It's been a rough couple days. Uh, but, no, I'm very partial to solos that fit with the song, that add to the overall listening experience rather than trying to overwhelm with technical detail. And so, yeah, yeah I, I, I tell you, one of my favorite solos of all time for that very reason not a difficult solo at all, but just so sounds so good within the song. Derek Wibley's solo from Underclass Hero by Sum 41. You know, uh, I don't know the song. Really? But I'll, I, I'll play it out of the next break. How about that? I'm pretty sure I, I think Sum 41 like covered like like maybe played a metallica song whenever metallica was going into the hall of fame or something like that this is like 20 years ago it was a long time ago and i think it was some 41 and i saw them perform it and i was like dang okay that's a pretty impressive band i didn't know they had those type of chops <laughs> people are now chiming in with their guitar takes Let's on hear the some. Meyer Chevrolet text line. Guitar intro to Money for Nothing. Um, anything Alter Bridge, which I believe is just Creed minus the lead singer, Oh, well, if I'm not mistaken. Miles Kennedy uh, okay. in replacement what, you, of Scott so Snap. What everybody wanted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, have, you, have you heard any of Alter Bridge's stuff, Teddy? I don't think I have. I mean, I'm, it's probably one of those that I have. And the song, there'll probably be a handful of songs that are recognizable that maybe I just didn't know who uh, who the band was. Yeah, Mark Mark Tremonti is the lead guitarist, and he is a monster. There's uh, a lot of really good uh, guitar players out there for sure. Hotel California guitar, guitar solo. That song's just <sighs> been ruined for me. I, you know. I'll have to go back and listen to that. I mean, I vaguely recall. It's been a long time since I've heard that. Um, and I vaguely recall the the solo in it. I need to go back and check it out. Like To me, like one of the best sounding of all time. And it's kind of cliche, which, you know, is almost cringeworthy. But like, talking iconic solos, the solo in Stairway to Heaven is just sounds amazing yeah that there's a reason why that song is regarded as one of the greatest of all time it's because it's flawlessly composed uh on the topic of football and football recruiting more specifically greg in blanchard has a text 
This text reads, is Williams Nwaneri going to return for the barbecue even though he was in this weekend? Seems like you covered this last week, but I can't remember. No, Nwaneri will not be at the barbecue. David Stone will be. And those are two guys whose names are going to kind of be inextricably intertwined over the next few months for Oklahoma fans specifically because those are the two five-star defensive linemen with whom Oklahoma's in pretty good standing at the moment. And, you know, we talked about this at the end of last hour, but NIL, as far as five-star defensive linemen are concerned, never something you can look past. And so when Nwaneri is also flirting with Tennessee and Oregon and David Stone's also flirting with Miami – yeah, Oklahoma fans will take those small wins whenever they can get them. So David Stone showing up to campus for the Champion Barbecue—that's refreshing. If nothing now, else. let me let me ask you this: um, Stone wasn't he? Was he in town this weekend? Uh, he was supposed to be. Then he decided to go to Miami instead. Oh, really? Yeah. When did he decide that? I was that like a very late decision? It was a very late decision, but. You know, the, the thing about that kid is you know, fans don't like to see that he's visiting Miami, but you know, I also understand why a kid like that would visit Miami because he lives in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. He's been to OU's campus far more times than anybody even realizes. He's going to be right back there for an official visit this upcoming weekend. And also, look, Miami, we, we all kind of understand what the deal is with Miami. We kind of all understand why they're in on so many of these top prospects nationally. And a lot of it has to do with John Ruiz and Lifewalla. But mm-hmm. I always use the example of Luther Burden's recruitment. You remember Luther Burden, five-star receiver from a couple years back that was committed yeah. to Oklahoma for a while, ended up signing with Missouri. But while he was committed to Oklahoma, he was flirting with every other big-time school in America. And... Georgia was one of those schools that he visited a lot. And what I know about that recruitment, what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, indisputably, is that Luther Burden was getting a check every time he showed up to Georgia. Like All he had to do was visit. <laughs> and he was getting, like, they were paying him to visit. Nice. So there are schools that will do that because it's good for optics, right? And so you know what? If you can get a nice payout just for showing up to a school, and I'm not saying that's what's happening with David Stone necessarily, but what I am saying is it's something that you have to be mindful of when you're seeing all these elite prospects take visits to schools that maybe they haven't been connected Mm -hmm. with in the past. It could be a dynamic like that. And you know what? From a kid's perspective, (laughs) why the heck not at that point? You're not committing to anything. Yeah, that – that totally makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, if I can, if I can get paid to go hang out in Miami for a weekend and be a uh, um, a special VIP, yeah, probably go do that. Let me ask you something. Okay, what in the hell is Life Wallet? <laughs> I've never understood that either. Like, I actually don't know the answer. I just it's, know that's the. Yeah, that's what he. That's how he's made all of his money, right? Life wallet. I guess I should like. I should get better educated. I'm googling life wallet right now. Ah, yes. Here we go. Life wallet. This is straight from the website. Life wallet is disrupting the antiquated healthcare reimbursement system. 
using data and analytics to identify and recover massive amounts of improper payments made by Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial insurers from responsible parties. Huh. Recovering payments. I wonder for who? I, for the government? Like, is it recovering Medicaid for the government? You know what it sounds like to me? This sounds like a money laundering operation. <laughs> I wasn't going to say but it, but since you did. When you have a billionaire that has a company that nobody's ever heard of or uses, uh, reeks of uh, front or something. I don't know. Interesting. Here's, right. uh, oh, gosh. This is, this is a really good text, but it's going to lead to a discussion that is probably going to take more time than we have in this Oh, please be about music. Please be about music. It's actually not about music. (laughs) But let's. how about this? Let's hit a break. Let's come back. I want to get to this text because it will open the door for some interesting discourse. Perfect. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on next. Rush is back. Hour number two rolls on. Hanging out at Newcastle Casino today. I-44 exit 107. Tons of great promotions. We've got off-track betting going on. I'm hanging out in front of the front row sports bar. TV's everywhere. We've got the ladies delivering drinks. Fun stuff here at Newcastle Casino. Come see us. I can't wait for this uh, text that will lead to some good discourse. So this text comes courtesy of... K-Dub in the 918, who says, Brian Wesco, one visit to Clemson halfway across the country, and he commits. Nwaneri, six visits to Norman, and still no commitment. He's not coming. I'm preparing myself like the 32 other ones we've swung and missed on. OU has great culture? Not buying it anymore. Your instant reaction to that text. (sighs) I, I get the frustration get the frustration. I don't know. I I don't know the West Coast kid at all. I've never even been to Clemson uh, Clemson's campus. Um, I don't I'm assuming there was some type of relationship between he and Garrett Riley beforehand, right? Cuz TCU still was yep. one of the teams. So I'm I'm assuming there was some type of relationship there and I had a good presentation on how they wanted to use him. Um I don't know. I because a kid picks Clemson in one day over OU, that doesn't mean that OU has a bad culture. No. It doesn't mean that they've got a great culture either, you know. I no one knows what the culture's like unless you're in the locker room every day. Right? Uh, and sometimes you can be in the locker room every day and still not necessarily have a full grasp of, of what the culture's like. Sometimes you need to be in the workouts, uh, in the huddle, uh, in the dorm rooms uh, late at night to see what's actually going on behind the scenes, you know? Um, I, I can't say. I can't. I don't even know where to begin to speculate on why he chose Clemson after one visit. Um, I know if it comes to NIL, I know OU's NIL 
is not on the level of what Clemson's NIL is. So that probably has something to do with it. I don't know how much it has to do with it, but probably has something. But because he decided to commit to Clemson, in my opinion, really has no impact one way or the no- or another on what OU's culture is. I, a high school kid committing to another school instead of yours is not an indictment on your culture at all. No. A matter of fact, it may end up being a great representation of your culture. If your culture was unwilling to yield whatever it was that, that the player may have wanted. I'm just very firmly of the opinion that there is legitimately no reason to be freaking out about recruiting and what it says about culture in the month of June. And if I sound like I'm beating a dead horse and have been for the past week and a half, it's because the text line has also been beating a dead horse for the last week and a half. Oh, XYZ player didn't commit to Oklahoma. When is all this talk about the culture that OU is building going to start to yield some actual results? Well, how about you give it a month or two? Let's just recall at this time last year, OU had four commits in the class. I want to say they had something like the number 38 recruiting class in the nation. Yeah. That didn't last. It obviously didn't last. And once Oklahoma gets the chance to get all their guys in town for official visits and make their pitches to these guys that they've been building relationships with for a long time. Oh, no, I said the R word again. But once the official visits have come and gone, we, we, we know what Brent Venables and this staff are doing and the approach that they're taking with these kids. It's, hey, you know what? If you need to go see other schools, that's fine. But just be aware that when you shut it down in favor of Oklahoma, you're not going anywhere else. So I it, I feel like it needs to be reemphasized that there rarely will be an instance where you get guys – rarely will there be a cycle where you get guys to shut things down early and you have that early in the calendar surge of 10, 12 commits like we've seen with schools like Texas Tech and Notre Dame – and even a school like a Wake Forest, which has a ton of early commits right now in the 2024 cycle. This yeah. will all come out in the wash because the way that Oklahoma recruits is more designed to yield that big avalanche, if you will, in July and August rather than April and May. Yeah. Captain Willard well, on the text line says, ignorant culture takes from texters tell me that they do not understand the meaning of that word well here's the thing here's what you got to remember about the culture aspect of things culture a, a great culture doesn't resonate with everyone some guys don't want a great culture a great culture means things are hard. It means that I, you're not. Go, it's not going to be a, a nonstop party. There's going to be principles. There's going to be things that you're held to. You're going to be held accountable 
by your by your peers, by your coaches. I that doesn't resonate with everyone. Some guys may go on a visit somewhere and it's a it's a party, right? And you don't walk away from there thinking culture. You walk away from there thinking fun. This is going to be fun. Yeah, football is going to be cool. Yeah, I want to play football there, but that is a place where I'm going to be able to have a lot of fun as a college student. Culture doesn't resonate with everyone. It resonates with the guys that fit it. That's not going to be everyone. So just because a player decides to go somewhere else doesn't mean that you've got bad culture. It may mean that your culture is doing exactly what it should and it's weeding out the bad apples. And again, I I know I'm not trying to suggest that that's the case with anyone that's not gone. I don't know any of these kids. I'm just saying that you got to remember that uh, a place where accountability and principles and all of those things are right there in the forefront, it doesn't necessarily resonate with everybody. So keep that in mind. Uh, Let's get one more text here. (laughs) Parker is the only radio host in the state to actively beef with their listeners. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. I'm not beefing with it. That wasn't the text I intended to read either, but I saw that. I was like, I don't feel like I'm beefing with anyone. We're all, we're all having honest conversation here. Uh, from the 405, this is the text I do want to close out this segment with. We had the fourth-ranked class off a 6-7 and seven record. That's a better class than the last guy ever had and better than all but one Stoops class. I don't like it losing any recruit, but until this staff bombs, they're the best recruiters since Switzer. Yeah, we'll see. Now, um... They had the fourth-ranked class off a of six and seventh season. I mean, that's true, but it's really not. I mean, this is really the class. This next signing class is really the class off the six and seventh season, right? Don't you kind of skip a year? Like a lot of those things are kind of built in, in, in whatever your record is going to be before you sign that class. Now, how it typically works, Parker? Yeah, I mean. Like, if if they win a national championship or they go to the playoff this year, I guess you'd be in the playoff when signing day happens, the first signing day. Yeah. If you went to the playoff this year, it would affect the following recruiting class more than it would affect this recruiting class. I would say that that is generally not always, but generally the case. For instance, you look at the last year that Clemson won a national title. I believe the class that they signed... Well, I mean, what would it have been? 18? Two, three would have weeks. been the 19 class? Well, yeah, t- but like two, three weeks after they won their most recent national championship. It was like the number 13 class in the country. Yeah. But the next season, I want to say they were number four or number five. So, yeah. yes, you generally see the returns in the following cycle. Yeah, so right now is whenever they're truly recruiting off of the six and seven year. Exactly. So, but there's no doubt that that's – there's going to be some serious headwinds there. Um, I don't know, though. I, as, as you keep pointing out, 
Last year's class was kind of a late arrival. I don't know if you'd necessarily consider this late. I mean, we're in June, and we have, what, a full six months almost before signing day? Like, we're not even halfway through the year in this class. Um, And I know some people get off to a quick start, but because of some of the philosophies, as you pointed out, it lends itself to maybe a little bit later arrival than, than what some others may have. We'll see. I remain optimistic. We'll see what happens. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep them coming. 651-3439. We'll be back. Rush is back. Wrapping up hour number two. Big news of the day, obviously, to anyone maybe just getting off work. Jordy Ball transferring away from the University of Oklahoma. I don't know if it's been made official or announced, but um, everything points towards Nebraska as the landing spot. Uh, So we've just been kind of chopping our way through that. Like, what does that mean for the future of the softball program? Um, You know, obviously the NIL that's kind of built in there because there was a lot of rumor and speculation as to what exactly led to that. And, you know, perhaps there was a big NIL deal at Nebraska. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's something there if she wants it, but most likely I would say the fact that she just wants to be closer to home and wants to bring some uh, bring a spotlight to softball in her home state is probably the biggest majority of, of what's gone on. And I say, um, you know, it's been a bit of a debate. What does this mean of her legacy at Oklahoma? I still think she's a legend status two-time national champion, uh, what she did specifically this year, fighting through the injury last year, and this year being the dominant force in the uh, postseason in the World Series. I think, in my mind, I'm calling her a legend. Yeah. Well, and we've gotten a lot of texts informing us that the other station, and you all know, I would imagine, who that's in reference to, is saying that, oh, you fans are ripping Jordy Ball on social media for her departure. I... I don't know where that narrative is coming from, but Oklahoma fans, it does feel like for the most part, and it's not without exception, but most of these fans understand what Jordy Ball's going through, understand the motive behind her decision to transfer, and are just appreciative of all that she's done for this program and this university over the two years that she's worn the crimson and cream. So definitely the type of athlete and the type of person that you can't help but root for no matter where she goes. Which, by the way, the other station wouldn't know social media if it slammed their head in a door. So uh, that'd be one of the last things I'd take their opinion on. It looks pretty positive from everything that I've seen. Again, I haven't seen everything, and I'm sure there will be a couple of bad apples with some uh, some bad takes out there, but it all looks pretty good from here. All right, final hour of the rush coming up next. Rush is back for the final hour. Teddy Lehman here. Parker Thune back in studio filling in for Tyler McComas. 651-3439. Knippelmeyer text line. I'm hanging out today at Front Row Sports Bar out at Newcastle Casino. I-44 exit 107. Come out and see us. Always great stuff going on. Always tons of fun promotions. Uh, We got off-track betting here at the Front Row Sports Bar. Cool stuff happening at Newcastle Casino. Um... The text line has been fun today. We've uh, we haven't hit a broad range of topics, but there's been some good stuff that's led to some interesting conversation. 
let's see if we can finish the final hour on a good note, uh, shall we, with the text line. Again, Knippelmeyer text line 651-3439. Anything interesting as of right now, Parker? Well, I will say this. We have a text from Tattooed Sooner chiming nice. in on the conversation that we were having earlier. You know, is Jordy Ball a Sooner legend or does she merely have a place in Sooner lore? Tattooed Sooner says she's a legend. To call her anything less is intellectually dishonest and disrespectful to her work and commitment she put into her time here. Yeah, well, it. I don't know that I would go that far. I mean, I think maybe there's more. Maybe there's more to it than only what your um, what your your record or your on-field statistics are, right? To be considered a Sooner legend, like I I say she is, but. I totally understand where someone's coming from if they say, no, no, in order to be a a Sooner legend, you have to start and finish your career at the university. Like, if if you're a football player, if you're a softball player, like your collegiate career is for one school. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I would understand that. Um, so I think that there's kind of like it's not and it's not a black and white issue necessarily. Like for me, it is, but I can see how people may be torn a little bit. Yeah, again, my standpoint is, you know, I I hesitate to slap the legend label on there just because, yeah, she was a cornerstone member of two national championship teams, but especially in the Patty Gasso era, there have been a lot of players that were cornerstone members of multiple national championship teams. And with her only being on campus two years, I think she's obviously one of the program's greats. But I, there's a distinction in my mind between great and legend. I'm a little bit hesitant to call her a legend. What's undeniable is that she will always be a part of Sooner Lore for the two national title teams that she was a part of, as well as her performance in the 2023 Women's College World Series. Uh, Eric in the OC says, Baker didn't start his career at OU, neither did Kyler. They are legends. Listener in the 918 says, she is a legend but lost her statue status. Uh, From the 918, a legend a step above Marcus Dupree and a step below Baker. Ohio Sooner says, she's a legend. We just unveiled a statue of a guy who played for one fewer season and didn't win a national championship, let alone two. Mm, is that true? I mean, he was here three years. He was. So, or was he here four? Was he here four years? No, he was here three, three? years. And, okay. And, yeah, Kyler Murray didn't win a national championship at Oklahoma, but he won the highest individual honor in college football. And that's the yeah. reason he got the statue. Right? It's and, not as if statues are arbitrarily awarded. And, I, admittedly, it's different if someone transfers to rather than transfers away. Yeah. Like, it's probably a conversation that you're never, we're never going to have again or have never had. Like, can you think of, other than Caleb Williams, someone else like of that stature that has transferred away? Troy Aikman. And that's about it. Yeah, but he wasn't of that. Like he he played 
what half of a not even half of a freshman year and broke an ankle and then uh, he wasn't Super Bowl winning Troy Aikman whenever he left you know yeah Gunny of Stutzman Army on this text line says and this is you know you, you've said a lot today about the direction of college football and to a broader extent collegiate athletics Teddy Gunny of Stutzman Army chimed in and said being a four-year athlete at one school is on the decline on the whole Boy, that's true. That's true. I mean, for multiple reasons. If, take for example, you're an elite basketball player. Trey Young was here one year, right? Um, transfer portal. Uh, you know, guys leaving early for the NFL. Absolutely, it's on the decline. Hell, if you are, if you're like. For, for different schools, I guess the numbers are different, but I could owe you, if you're one of the top five players on the team, one that would have the chance to reach what, what we would call like a legend status, uh, you're going to have to make a decision on whether you're going to stay or go, most likely, uh, and leave early for the draft, right? So, yeah, it, it's it's become exceedingly rare, I guess, for, for those type of players, for your elite of the elite. From a listener in the 405 here. Sooner legends are Jocelyn Allo, Lauren Chamberlain, and soon-to-be Jennings and Jada. Jordy Ball is not a legend, but perhaps an icon? Something like that. Yeah. Everyone's got a line in a little bit different yeah. different place. Now, let me ask you this. Does, that, does, does the opinion change? For those that say she's not a legend... Does it change if she goes to crappy Nebraska <laughs> and takes them to a title against, like, I mean, it would have to be, they'd have to cross paths with Oklahoma at some point. Oh, yeah, but I, I, I think here's the difference, though. Obviously, if that happens, she's a legend. But is she a Sooner legend? I don't know. It'd be pretty crazy. Uh, which, by the way... Um, just to say, I need to say this. Over the last break, I scanned some of the comment sections from some of the Jordy Ball stuff that's going on out there. And I got to tell you, uh, like I said before the top of the hour or whenever we took the last break, <laughs> that the other station doesn't know what the hell they're talking about as typical. But I did see a comment in there, and I don't know who it was from, but it said this. It said, really appreciate what she brought i wish her the best of luck wherever she lands i just wish we would have been able to give her a proper send-off and that's kind of like something that's maybe missed a little bit right like had we known she was going to go in the transfer portal um maybe at one of these like the celebration on saturday night or saturday evening um you could have had that moment or Heck, even on the, um, even, even, you know, right there in the national championship celebration after it was done. Like, I do think that that is something interesting to think about that you never, at least we haven't yet had a, a opportunity for a proper send off. That would have been a really cool moment. Yeah. I'm just curious how a guy who's not on Twitter gets on the radio and makes grandiose sweeping statements about OU fans use of Twitter. Uh, from a listener in the 615, 
The truth is, she was probably always a Husker in her heart, but the competitor in her chose OU. Baker was always a Sooner, but he had to choose another school because he didn't think he was OU good. Once he was here, no way he could have left for another school. That's why he was so loved. Um, and I, maybe here's the question I would ask too, Teddy. Like, is the perception – well, I, I know what the answer is, but how different is the perception of Jordy Ball if she spends the last two years of her collegiate career at OU rather than the first two? Like if she finishes at OU rather than starting at OU, how much does that change the fan base's perception of her status amongst the greats of Sooner softball? Okay, let's let's. So we'll say that these first two years were her last two, right? Two two championships, and in the final one, she's the um, as you said, the cornerstone. Is that how we're we're going to say she ended her final career? Yeah, like. Then, well, you know, ultimately, I don't know how much different it's going to be, but I think it it definitely you would have felt it would have had closure and you would have felt more more positive, right? There would have been, as as I read from that that the comment online, you would have had the proper send off, right? And yeah. I think with closure and with the the ability to have that type of send off, I think. That kind of helps cement someone le- someone's legacy a little bit more. By the way, so probably better. A bit of breaking news here. It is official. Teddy and I, you know, you and I were talking about it off the air last hour as the rumors were starting to get around. It is now official. Uh, Derek LeBlanc is in the transfer portal. Well, there you go, Oklahoma. Four-star freshman defensive end, Derek LeBlanc, the top-ranked signee in Todd Bates' first recruiting class at the University of Oklahoma, already in the transfer portal. Wow. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting you do that on the same day as Jordy Ball. (laughs) A a top-ranked defensive lineman. Entering the transfer portal after only a spring semester is going to fly under the radar uh, somewhat after, you know, since it's on the same day as the best player in college softball. Kind of interesting, that little dynamic, isn't it? Um, you know, that's it's interesting. That's a quick that's a quick departure for LeBlanc. Um you know, got to see him some in the spring. I, I think I think he was going to be a project. I think there was a lot he needed to add to his game. Uh, he needed he needs to upgrade in strength. He needs to upgrade in some athleticism. You know, he's got a big frame. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I think like body composition needs to get a little bit better. I'm curious to see why he's transferring out after. Really, just dipping his toe in the water. <laughs> Frankly, it may have been those summer workouts. It may have been, man. Like at this <laughs> point, like that's really the only reason why it would make sense at this juncture on the calendar, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. could he could he just not hang with Schmitty? It's possible. That's I mean, weird, man. Just that's like a I weird said, like, development, physique wise and athletically. You know, from what I saw of him in the spring. You know, there was a lot of development needed from him 
to turn into a um, to turn into I mean even a rotational player. So I if you're carrying around if you're a defensive lineman you're carrying around a a, a bunch of bad weight. Summer workouts are not going to be fun. It's going to be uh, miserable, in fact. So like, that could be a part of it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a relationship with the coach that, that's a part of it. Uh, maybe he misses home, like Jordy Ball. I don't know. Time will tell. But I will say that, hmm, how do I phrase this properly? Of if you would have told me that a defensive lineman uh, from our uh, from OU is in the transfer portal today, I would have been extremely nervous. I would have been, <laughs> I would have been, um, I really worried about what that means for the upcoming season. But. With LeBlanc transferring, I, it doesn't change any opinion I have whatsoever of our defensive line. All right, so, like I said, I think he would he was going to be a long-term project. All right, go ahead and vent on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet <laughs> text line. I mean, that's culture, really, that's really what it's turned into sucks. at this point. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. If you want to chime in, but yeah, it look, it looks like it might be a pretty doom and gloom last forty minutes of radio here, Ted. Yeah, well, that's okay. Sometimes we need to vent. Sometimes we need to vent, and as we all know, it can't just be good all the time. We just won a national championship in softball. We've got to pay the piper somewhere, and uh, it's coming back today. What do we got? Anything good that we need to get to before a timeout, or you want to hit some on the other side? Yeah, let's hit a break, and let's see if in the four minutes uh, that we're in commercial break, I can conjure up something good to get people excited about. Give us the heat, folks. Tell us, tell us your, <laughs> vent your frustrations as to uh, what's going on right now. As uh, Derek LeBlanc just hasn't even started his freshman year, just got out of that early spring uh, has hit the transfer portal. Tell us what you think. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Stay tuned. Mm, I don't know. Does everyone feel fine, Parker? It is the end of the world as we know it, as the transfer portal has opened up. The anger over the uh, the weekend not get. Did we get any commitments? Uh, there have been no public commitments. No public commitments from the weekend. We got guys taking visits, uh, late pullouts. Stone goes to Miami. Jordy Ball just wins a national championship. She's transferring out. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, uh, highest-rated interior defensive lineman in last year's class. He's hit the transfer portal. It is the end of the world. Is the text line feeling fine, Parker? No, the text line is very angry at Todd Bates. Ted. The text line hates Todd Bates because I, I, I like it's. I don't agree with it, but it's understandable because we've kind of held up Derek LeBlanc as 
the one guy from the 2023 class that gives you tangible reason to suspect that Todd Bates has things moving in the right direction as far as the recruiting trail at Oklahoma for defensive tackles. Because, no, you didn't get DJ Hicks. No, you didn't get Jordan Renaud. But you got Derek LeBlanc. And so, especially with some of the top targets that OU's in on in the 2024 cycle, maybe it's not all doom and gloom and hellfire and brimstone. But now Derek LeBlanc is in the transfer portal, and I I can't really offer any rejoinder to these folks on the text line, Ted. There's just, I can. There's not a lot. I'll offer you one. Um, don't know the kid. I'm sure he's a... Sure, he's a good kid. Don't know anything about him uh, personally, but I'll tell you this: I watched a bunch of spring practices. I was at the spring game. You have never heard me one time on this show or anywhere mention one word about <laughs> Derek LeBlanc. Okay, not one. We talked about all kinds of freshmen, the early arrivals and who's looking good and what's the rotation going to look like and who's going to play here, who's going to play there. Not one time ever have I mentioned his name. And, you know, I, I will just say that every now and then, some things that appear negative could end up being a positive. Don't know if this is necessarily going to be one of those instances, but as I said, and tried to put it lightly, in my opinion, it was going to be a big project uh, with Derek LeBlanc. So what you hear Teddy saying is not as big of a loss as it might look. Now, as far as what this means for Todd Bates, it's hard, again, it's hard for me right now to offer any rejoinder to the people on the text line saying, well, clearly, Todd, this means Todd Bates is just as bad at his job as we all have been saying. Look, in terms of yield on the recruiting trail right now, yeah, I, I can't offer you a lot in dispute of that notion. But Todd Bates is still the same guy that landed Brian Brzee at Clemson and that helped recruit and develop some pretty dang good defensive linemen over there. So this is a guy that has a resume that extends beyond his year and a half at the University of Oklahoma. And also, if, if he takes a swing and a miss at some of these elite guys in 2024 and you got two cycles of data to go off, sure. You know what? Then we can start having this conversation about Todd Bates being in over his head at the University of Oklahoma. It's way too early, way too premature to render that judgment right now. You know, the last time I talked to Todd Bates, I learned something. I didn't know this. I played against him in college. Oh, when he was at Alabama? Yeah. I didn't know he was on the, uh, I think he was on the O two, 2 maybe O two 2 and O three. 3 Alabama team that we played against. So that was interesting. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hey, uh, I know people are, are wanting uh, an endless stream of good news. 
not getting it right now. I understand the frustration coming off of a uh, not a bad year, a horrific year. Let's call it what it is. We need some good good intel. We need some good information. We need some good news. Um, you know, we were hoping to get something good coming out of this this weekend of recruiting. Right? I know that's how it goes. You got a big weekend. Uh, the fans want to see some fruits of that that big weekend on the other end with some commitments. We got the uh, the big barbecue coming up, and right, if we don't get commitments out of that, I know people are going to be frustrated with that. Right. I, the optics of your top interior defensive line recruit hitting the transfer portal uh, six months after his arrival, hadn't even played a game yet here. Uh, the optics of that are not good. I understand that. All I'm saying is if we get a transfer defensive lineman of literally any caliber from anywhere, I think we will upgrade our roster. From a listener in the 805 on the text line, when you keep signing defensive linemen from the transfer portal, playing time will be an issue for a freshman. That shouldn't come as any surprise. And – yeah, I think there's truth to that, but also like may, maybe this is also one of the byproducts of the NIL era. Well, and, and more broadly, the social media era, Teddy, where a guy is the biggest thing since sliced bread when he's a high school player, but you get to the college level, you're just another guy, and you came in with the expectation of playing early, and maybe things don't line up like that. Yeah. And then, like, what happens when your expectations at the school you chose don't match up with reality? Well, something like this can happen. Yeah. I, I The text message about, like, if you keep bringing in transfer defensive linemen, playing time is going to be hard for freshmen. I'm telling you right now, no chance at all. To play as a freshman for Derek LeBlanc. Zero. None. Nada. Maybe in a massive blowout. But I'm I'm just telling you right now that I if he's if he's upset about playing time, which is a weird time to transfer in the middle of like in the middle of June when you haven't even played a game yet. It's a very weird time. I, that sounds like a. Uh, I mean, what playing time are we talking about? You haven't played a game yet. I mean, if you want playing time, you've still got all summer. You've got all training camp. Uh, you've got a long time to develop and build and fight and scrap to try and try and get your way on the field. So the playing time thing doesn't seem legit to me. There has no one has had in any playing time at all since he's been here. Zero. I haven't played a game, so that doesn't make any sense to me. But if a freshman is good enough to play, they will play. But if you're out there, con- like if they're constantly trying to bring in transfer defensive linemen, it's because the young guy. It's because you just don't like you need to bolster that position. I'm just telling you right now, he was not going to play as a freshman. Cole and Casey. If he was playing as a freshman, 
we'd have <laughs> some serious issues. Colin Casey says, I just want something to go right on the OU front. We need a commitment. Another listener in the 405 says, I don't want to do the sports anymore today. And Camo Sooner adds, it's official. Tyler is not allowed to take a vacation ever again. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I let's see here. I'm trying to find the right way to frame it. You have a limited amount of scholarships. You have 85 scholarships. And I don't know like when like his like I don't know when that roster spot opens up. Like I don't know how all that works. But I'm telling you there is a high likelihood and I would suggest it's near 100% that you improve on that specific roster spot okay i'm just telling you does that make sense like it's a, take it as a bright spot ohio sooner says can we go talk can we go back to talking about guitar solos so maybe we'll yeah. uh, maybe we'll do that on the other side yeah the recruiting I'm, doomer I'm says i'm done by deleting this app i'm out oh come well, on shoot we won't hear from the recruiting doomer anymore a listener in the 918 says, sounds like we can blame this one on Schmitty with a couple laughing emojis. I, I uh, mean, and if that's the case, you know what? <laughs> Schmitty's not responsible for any portal entries that, well, I, I guess let me put it this way. If Schmitty's the reason somebody got in the portal, they probably needed to get in the portal anyway. I mean, blame is one word you could use, or credit, perhaps, would be another. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're going to be just fine. We're, 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 we're going to be just fine. We are, we are much better at the interior defensive line position today than we were even during spring ball. With the additions that we've made, we're, we're in a much better position. The, Anything else? Want to hit one, one more? One, yeah, one more text from the 405. <laughs> oh, gosh. Somebody said that kid can kick rocks all the way to Lackawanna. <laughs> Somebody from the 405 said, The biggest issue isn't LeBlanc leaving. BV's entire claim was recruiting high-character kids that want to earn. Now they're owning, their only meaningful defensive tackle win is leaving before summer camp. But, hey, at least we won't pay up for Hicks or Sims or any other decent prospect. Who needs defensive tackles in the SEC? Right. Read that again. The Please. biggest issue isn't LeBlanc leaving. BV's entire claim was recruiting high-character kids that want to earn. Right. Well, I mean – High character kids that want to earn, and I, I don't like none of that has changed. None of that has changed. I mean, just because you're recruiting what you you claim are high character kids that want to earn, that doesn't mean that 100% of the time, everyone that you sign is going to be a high character person. I mean, there's going to be issues, right? And again, I, I don't know the reason of, of him jumping in the transfer portal. I have no idea. Um, 
It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that he's not a high character kid. It doesn't mean anything. Right? Maybe it means the writing was on the wall that he wasn't going to be able to play. I who knows what it is. We can only speculate. But Derek LeBlanc getting in the transfer portal is not reason for Brent Venables to change his recruiting uh, philosophy. Not at all. Hell, for all I know, it may have been a suggestion from a coach to enter the transfer portal. I don't know how how, how this whole thing came to be. I have no clue. But just because uh, a kid that was there for spring has been in summer workouts for a couple of weeks has decided to hit the transfer portal doesn't mean you abandon ship on your recruiting philosophy now if we go six and seven again this year that is reason to abandon your recruiting philosophy that i will that's an acceptable reason to abandon everything that you've done up to this point i will that's one that i can get on board with all right let's hit a quick timeout keep the text coming six five one three four three nine we'll be back Rushes back, final hour, closing in on uh, wrapping this thing up. And uh, maybe it's a good thing for today to, every now and then you got just got to, you take the L and you start again the, the next afternoon, right? Um, but the text line's been awesome today, as always. 651-3439, uh, keep venting your frustrations. What what do we got? Anything uh, anything new come across, Parker? Well, let's see. Scrolling through the text, it's <laughs> it's a lot of depressing takes. Jay from Medill says, "I'm so tired of OU athletics right now. I'm gonna go lay down. Wake me 30 minutes before kickoff versus Arkansas State." Yeah, and that pretty much sums up much of the discourse right now on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, unplugging for a little bit, checking out, uh, checking out for an expen- extended period of time. That is from, uh, from social media and such. You don't need to check out from this show. We need, uh, we need your interaction, whether it's guitar solos or recruiting. I mean, if you need to check out of sports, hit the guitar solo section. Do you have any hot guitar solo takes that can fill up airtime while we try to do anything but talk about OU sports? <laughs> um, not at the moment. Dang. Not at the moment. I was hopeful. Well, I'm, I'm pretty traditional whenever it comes to, uh, you know, I'm some things sound different to me on different days. I, My mood weighs very heavily on how much I enjoy something or how, how it clicks at a given moment. Um, and to be honest with you, like like guitar solo never really necessarily been my favorite. I'm more of a rhythm section guy, you know? So uh, bass, drums, that's typically where my main focus is. And a lot of the best, like, rhythm section stuff comes during a solo, right? That is true. So that's typically where my attention is. 
But I will I will jot down a list overnight because we got all week. I'll jot down a list and <laughs> I'll come up with some uh, with some of my favorites from a listener in the nine one eight. Give Schmitty a raise, weeding them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, part of summer workouts is it's never that like you you never remain stagnant. So from one year to the next, the amount of volume and the difficulty is always going up, 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 up. Like last year was kind of an introdu- introductory, right? This year. It's going to be several steps in difficulty above what they had last year. As your team is like more uh, more calloused and more acclimated to that type of uh, environment, you can you can kind of ramp it up. You don't want to go in guns blazing right out of the gate whenever your guys physically can't handle that. But uh, the majority of your roster is going to be in a better place right now than they were a year ago. So I'm sure like the early arrivals. Uh, that's the that's the or the the freshmen rather they're all in there now that's the tough part is you're catching the ramped up version of what last summer was so and and next year's recruits are going to catch the the ramped up version of this summer so it's always progressing big rich and okc wants to know teddy how many guys did you watch quit in workouts in quick quit in summer workouts yeah oh Tons. Tons. Really? Oh, yeah. I saw guys quit. Saw them tap out. I made guys quit. Made them leave. <laughs> um, yeah. Not that. Not as rare of an occurrence as you might think. You know, some guy, sometimes a guy misses a time, and it's like, usually it's not necessarily quitting. It's being... Uh, it's a forced retirement at the moment until uh, until the afternoon. See you at three o'clock. But I've seen guys tap out and be like, "I don't have it right now. I'm coming back at three. Sorry, I'm out." Yeah, I've seen that before. Taylor sure. Nawaso asks, "Jordy Ball is transferring?" Yes, <laughs> yes, that is the news of the day. Jordy Ball is yes, transferring. Yes, unfortunately, that is the news of the day. Uh, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on who you talk to. Still a line for Mike Gundy. Maybe as everything plays out, ultimately it's uh, it's going to be the best thing for everyone involved. From a listener in the 405, been at the hospital all day. Who's leaving? Well, Jordy Ball is leaving, for one. Put out a statement and said that she wanted to be closer to home, that she would intended to enter the transfer portal, and then most recently, within the last half hour or so, news that freshman defensive tackle Derek LeBlanc is leaving the OU football program. So, that's quite the yeah. one-two punch on a Monday. Now, have have you uh, have you been able to sniff out any of the rumors as to why uh, the Derek LeBlanc situation has taken place? Like, is there um, – does anyone have any anything concrete to go off of? Well, basically the most concrete explanation that I've gotten is that he was just – frustrated about the fact that OU kept bringing in transfers and transfers and transfers and he wanted more of a chance at playing time than I guess he felt like he was going to have the opportunity to have this fall that's been the most popular but really the only explanation that I've gotten in talking to several folks about it so well settle in for a rough 
college experience because uh, no matter where you go, if the staff is worth their salt, they're constantly going to be trying to upgrade the roster. I've, people have heard me say this a million times, but in the NFL, every single Monday, there are multiple free agents at multiple positions working out to see if there's a better player out there than someone that they have on the roster. Every single week it happens. And in college, it's going to be no different. If they're not bringing in transfers to try and replace you, they're bringing in recruits to try and replace you. They're always going to try to upgrade the roster. And it is their duty to upgrade the roster. It is their duty if they see a better defensive lineman or a defensive lineman doesn't necessarily have to be better than anyone. If they see a defensive lineman that they believe can play, can help them, can upgrade their roster, it is their duty to try and do so. That's just how it is. And wherever he lands, they're going to be trying to do the same exact thing. And like the way I would approach it is, I would take it as a direct personal challenge that, oh, huh, I can read uh, between the lines here what's going on. I'm trying to be replaced. They don't think I'm adequate. Watch this. Watch me improve. Watch the steps I'm going to take this summer. Watch how good a shape I'm going to get into. Watch how strong I'm going to be. Watch my focus. Watch what I look like whenever I show up for training camp. This guy that you brought in, this transfer, you think that's going to beat me out and take my position in the rotation? Watch. That's how I would approach it, personally. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just that's how it is. They're going to try and improve their roster everywhere. It's the nature of the beast. All right, final timeout. Last opportunity to get a text in, 651-3439. We'll wrap things up next. Stay tuned. Final segment, couple of minutes here as we wrap things up. Hanging out at Newcastle Casino today. You guys have been great. Can we finish this thing off with a couple of positive text messages, Parker? Is there, are there any left? Uh, let me see. Might be scrolling a while. <laughs> Uh, not all these guys got that mamba mentality like Teddy. Uh, I, you know what? Um, I told someone this the other day. My worth, what my work ethic as an athlete, what came from a place of pure laziness, because I never wanted to do things more than once. So, <laughs> I will put myself near death. To get through something, to just have to do it once. I don't want to come back. I don't want to have to do it again in the afternoon. I don't want to have to run extra. I want to do everything one time. That is it. So really, it all comes from a place of laziness with me. Which, you know, hey, you use what you got, right? (laughs) Use laziness to your advantage. Ah, good stuff. Well, folks, 
It's been a fun day. It's been a day, I guess. Let's all go have a couple ice-cold Pacificos, regroup, and try this thing tomorrow and see if we have some positive news to build off of, shall we? That's it for us. We'll catch you guys tomorrow. We're out of here.